folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week, we're going to dig into another report of some recent Linux malware that was announced called a Symbiote, and uh, yeah, look at uh, some of the details behind that, some good research from Intezza and BlackBerry there. But we will get to that a bit later. First, we will do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the last week. Uh, this week, there were 82 Unix CDs addressed by the team, and up first, we had an update for ImageMagick. This is pretty stock standard stuff. Uh, use after free that was found by Google's OSS Fuzz project, and that was fixed for Ubuntu releases uh, 14.04 and 16.04 extended security maintenance plus 18.04 long-term support. Uh, then we had a bunch of updates for the Linux kernel. First of those was uh, the live patch. So the live patch system, uh, as you're probably aware, allows to supply security updates without having to reboot the machine. In this case, the live patch team tackled a bunch of the recent uh, high priority vulnerabilities that we have seen in the kernel that I've talked about. Uh, they include things like uh, Cgroup's v1 release agent issue, uh, use after freeze in both the network scheduling and traffic control subsystems, Ninja overflow in IOU ring, uh, the SecComp restrictions bypass, and as well a use after free in the network queuing and scheduling subsystem. And finally, the ability uh, to bypass secure boot by loading uh, kernels with uh, KGDB as well. So they have all been fixed and they go all the way uh, from our 14.04 extended security maintenance release all the way to our 22.04 long-term support uh, release and therefore various different kernels on those various different releases. I've got a table of those in the show notes if you want more detail or yeah, you can check out the actual announcement itself or you can run Canonical Live Patch status yourself uh, to get details on that. Live Patch is available as part of Ubuntu Advantage and that's even available uh, for free for personal use as well. So if you aren't running that and you are running one of the LTS releases or ESM, uh, you definitely should be. So check that out. Uh, yeah, so uh, then we had uh, kernel updates for the actual kernel packages themselves. And again, fixing a huge number of vulnerabilities here. Uh, and actually a bunch of those I just mentioned. So things like the secure boot bypass, uh, seccomp bypass, use after free in Netfilter. We also had uh, deadlock in ButterFS, an info leak in Netfilter in the virtual graphics manager, a double free in 802.2 LLC driver, as well as the EMS CAN USB drivers, and uh, your 21 CVEs fixed even in uh, the kernel for uh, Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support. That's 5.4 kernel, and that's used as the hardware enablement kernel for 18.04. So yeah, a huge number of fixes have gone into these. Uh, thanks, as always, to the kernel team and to Steve on our team for handling the USN publication for these. A lot of work goes into that to getting all the details right. Uh, and again, you know, in these 21 CVEs, so all those ones I mentioned before, plus as well, uh, mishandling of mission check when migrating processes across C groups could allow a local user to get privilege escalation. Uh, page table mishandling in KVM could allow a virtual machine to crash the host and get denial of service there. Use after free in the USB gadget subsystem as well as the microchip CAN bus analyzer driver, six pack protocol driver two and more. So yeah, a huge number of things have gone into all the different kernels there as well. Uh, plus, we also had a bunch of fixes for Vim. So, you know, the obviously very popular, uh, you know, command line editor there. Nine different CVEs were resolved for our 604 extended security maintenance customers. And these are, you know, a heap of different uh, buffer out of bounds reads, heap buffer overflows, stack buffer overflows, user after freeze, etc. All of those are able to be triggered through crafted input files. Clearly, someone's been doing a lot of fuzzing of Vim uh, to get their nice bug bounty dollars. And again, we actually had another update for Vim in 604 ESM as well that rolled in a heap more similar fixes too. 
Uh, SIFT Utils was updated as well. Uh, this is a tooling for managing SIFT mounts, uh, you know, window shares, that kind of thing. Uh, for uh, 18.04 and 24.04 long-term support, 22.04 long-term support, and 21.10, four different CVs were fixed here, including uh, privilege escalation that could be uh, mounted via stack buffer overflow in the mount.sifts command line. Uh, basically, you could pass it a crafted uh, command line argument as the IP address. Uh, internally, then it would try to check the length of that to make sure that it, it wouldn't overflow its internal buffer. But it did the comparison using strlen, which uh, will return you know, the length of the string, or it will return the maximum size uh, of it compared to the buffer. So if the value is actually longer, then you get it truncated to this length in terms of what the length reads as. And then it goes and actually uses str copy then to do the copy. So then it would end up overflowing that buffer. So yeah, a uh, simple fix of that just to make sure it actually checked <laughs> against the right uh, return value there. So that, and you know you could even use strl copy or strlen copy to make sure you don't overflow the buffer as well. Uh, what else? Possible shell command injection uh, via mount.sifs as well when it would spawn a subshell for password input. Basically, you could you know, inject shell commands that would then get injected into that shell and get code execution as a result. And you know, mount.sifs is security root. So yeah, good times there. Also, you could have, potentially have uh, host Kerberos credentials exposed uh, to a container when you're mounting a SIF share uh, that use Kerberos authentication within that container. So yeah, an info leak there as well. Uh, but they've all been fixed for SIFs. What else? Uh, an update for free RDP. This is for our up onto 1804, 2004, 2204 long-term support and 2110 releases. Uh, now actually, yeah, in last week's episode, I talked about a couple different packages that uh, mishandled basically empty passwords. So I think one of those was CUPS, uh, where basically you could provide an empty password and it would then you know, authenticate you because it wouldn't you know, bother to check that the password was not empty. Uh, and in this case, there's a similar vulnerability here in FreeRDP when using NTLM authentication, where basically you could provide uh, an empty password to the server and you would get authenticated. Uh, so yeah, I did say last week, you know, it seems uh, even still in modern days, we see lots of these uh, issues in, uh, you know, authentication handling, you know, very sim what you would think is a very simple bug here. And yeah, there's still uh, more of these to be found. So yeah, programming is still hard. You know, you write code, you write bugs, clearly. All right, had an update for Ruby as well. The two CVs here fixed uh, back to 604 extended security maintenance plus uh, the releases since that, the LTS and others. In this case, uh, there was a double free in the regular expression compiler uh, when handling a crafted regular expression as input. So basically, if you have, say, a Ruby application that is taking regexes as untrusted input from uh, users or from the internet or wherever, uh, you could have been exposed to this and then basically uh, potentially get code execution within the Ruby interpreter itself. Uh, NTFS 3G was updated as well. Uh, so I actually talked about one of these back in last week's episode uh, for I think 1604 Extended Security Maintenance, which is that uh, the NTFS CK tool, uh, you could possibly get code execution there when uh, running on a crafted disk image. Uh, similarly in this case then, uh, through uh, similar mishandling of things, uh, when mounting a crafted image, you could also get code execution. That's through various uh, heat buffer overflows and the like. As well, uh, logic error would potentially expose a user to being able to intercept the fuse protocol traffic between NTFS 3G in user space and the kernel as well. And uh, similarly, actually, the E2FS prox set of applications was updated as well. 
this handles things like uh, FSEK, MakeFS, uh, ResizeFS and the like for uh, the X uh, family file systems, X2, X3, X4, and uh, even bad blocks, which you, know, you often run if you've got uh, like having disk errors and the like. So yeah, that goes all the way back to 1404 extended security maintenance, 1604 extended security maintenance, uh, 1804, 2004, 2012 for long-term support as well. Yeah, in this case, it was an out-of-bounds read-write vulnerability there, so you could possibly get code execution when running again on a crafted file system. Well, and that is it for the weekend security updates. All right, so one of the other things I wanted to talk about in this week's episode was a recent announcement of some research from Intesa and BlackBerry on this new uh, Linux malware or threat that they call Symbiote. They found it targeting uh, the financial sector in Latin America, and they described it as being nearly impossible to detect. So I thought it'd be cool to see, uh, I guess, some of the techniques that it uses. In particular, uh, it's not actually, say, a, a binary that's running on the system. It's a shared object, and it uses LD preload to infect other binaries on the system and then to get loaded you know, when they run. Uh, by hooking or by using LD preload, then it's able to hook various functions in things like libc and libpcap and the like, so that when you go and say, I don't know, read uh, the files under proc, you can't see uh, you know any evidence of it running or you know being loaded into memory, uh, and then you, you know, can't see I don't know even when you read other files, you know it could go and hide uh, itself there, so it actually does drop a bunch of different files uh, on your disk uh, for then what it's actually you know its real purposes are, and it can hide those as well, so that you know if you go and I don't know read dir or something like that it will hide the results of that as well. Uh, it also hooks into libpcap so that if you were to say run a TCP dump to look for its network traffic, uh, it loads a BPF filter to be able to hide its own network traffic even if you're trying to dump all traffic on the machine. Uh, and so yeah, that's really interesting, uh, I think. Uh, what it means, I guess, is that uh, we need to look a little bit harder though at this nearly impossible to detect claim because clearly they were able to detect it. And so, you know, if you're running on the machine here, it goes to a lot of effort itself to hide within there. You know, it's obviously, you know, quite advanced. That's really cool. But I guess it goes back to uh, the old thing that, uh, you know, if an attacker has control over the environment or the machine itself, uh, they're always going to have, uh, you know, an advantage to be able to hide. And that actually reminds me of a recent uh, Twitter thread that I saw um, uh, involving Hoverflake and others, uh, Matthias Krauss uh, and Brad Spengler as well from GR Security, and then actually a follow-up blog post from the GR Security folks. And they were looking at this new Tetragon uh, eBPF security observability and runtime environment. Uh, been recently uh, open sourced and you know, there were claims that it can be used to uh, detect uh, exploits and kill them off. Uh, this is a system that uh, relies heavily on eBPF to do that. So it's sort of instrumenting the kernel and watching various things as they happen and then being able to detect, say, when a process uh, elevates privileges when it shouldn't and therefore kill it off as a result. And, uh, you know, Brad and others were saying to uh, the developers, uh, this is uh, interesting at all, but once someone has, say, code execution, uh, you know, if the game's over, they can actually, say, uh, evade your detection. And uh, the developers were uh, well, seemingly a little bit confused about this, but I guess Brad goes into a lot of uh, effort to explain it in the blog post, plus develops the proof of concept as well to, to uh, you know, show that off. So if you uh, yeah, want to read it, it is really, really interesting stuff. But effectively, in this case, the security framework is loaded into the kernel, it's got you know, these different eBPF programs to try to detect different behavior that's happening. But if uh, an attacker can get code execution within the kernel, they can then clearly just go and turn off uh, you know, this observability framework so they can't be observed. And you know, because they've said, oh, that might only just involve you know, a small change uh, to kernel memory to do that, you know, there's no way easily for something like this Tetragon to be able to detect that uh, at runtime. And so 
uh, I guess what it, it shows is that what you really need is you need to be looking at things from a higher level of abstraction. You can't be trying to detect stuff from within the same environment where, in this case, you know, the attack is running. And that yeah reminds me, I guess, of this uh, case for, say, forensics, that you know it's very hard to detect a compromised machine from within the compromised machine because the attacker can always influence that environment so that you can't see it. They can effectively hide in plain sight uh, by you know altering various tools and the like to not show their own presence. And yeah, so it's you know, a very similar sort of concept. And so in this case, if you want to detect something like this symbiote, you can't easily say, check, I don't know, the uh, different files that are on the machine and see there's none there that shouldn't be there because they can easily hide the presence of those files. What you need to be doing, obviously, is taking a disk image and uh, analyzing that from a separate machine where then the attacker hasn't got code, code execution and they can't influence what you're seeing. Yeah, so it's a similar kind of thing. You really need to be at another level of abstraction above to be able to actually see this sort of stuff. You can't uh, assume that an attacker won't be able to stop you from observing them. Yeah, so anyway, a uh, cool piece of research nonetheless. And yeah, you know, cool to see these sorts of different techniques, you know, like BPF and the like. You know, we saw that uh, when I talked about BPF door a couple of weeks ago uh, being used, uh, you know, for different purposes there. And now we're seeing it being used to be able to say hide network traffic uh, for, of, you know, that's actually ongoing as part of the uh, malware itself. So yeah, you know, interesting to see these different toolings that we have, like BPF and the like being used, uh, not only for good, but for bad as well. You know, it's that uh, dual purpose stuff uh, as always that we see. The other thing that I wanted to mention in this week's episode is the recent announcement that Ubuntu 2110, the impish injury, will be going end of life on the 14th of July. Uh, this was an interim release. Uh, that means it's supported for nine months. Uh, the you know, recommended uh, upgrade path, obviously, is to the recent release of 2204, long-term support, which will be supported for five years as part of long-term support and then another five years as part of extended security maintenance. So, yeah, definitely worth upgrading to 2204 if you haven't already. But, yeah, and more details of that uh, in the release announcement of that that I've got in in the show notes. And finally, uh, we are still hiring. We've got an open position for uh, an Ubuntu security engineer you know, working remotely with our team anywhere in the world, uh, making your favorite distribution more secure. So yeah, check that out if you're interested, as well as a security certifications product manager that I talked a bit more about in last week's episode as well. I've got links to both of those in the show notes if you're interested and want to apply. Okay, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks everyone for listening again, as always. If you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at securityubuntu.com. We do hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat. We're also on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. All right, I will be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.